Trump's town hall could land him in more hot water in Georgia. If you look at what happened in Atlanta, millions of votes, and all you have to do is take a look at government cameras, you'll see them, people going to 28 different voting booths to vote. An early disclaimer that that's not true at all. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. I think that was the first time we had a fact check before the intro, but there we go. That's where we are right now, Patricia. (laughs) The first time, and it won't be the last, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Well, coming up on today's episode, we're going to discuss how Donald Trump's CNN town hall remarks might have triggered even more legal trouble for him here in Georgia. UGA's championship winning football team isn't going to the White House. We're going to have our crusty but lovable columnist (laughs) Bill Torpy join us for that segment and also take your questions and go over the who's up and who's down for the week. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Patricia, there's so much to say about Donald Trump's CNN town hall. And I know there's a giant debate going on in media circles over whether the network should have even let him on the airwaves. But we're going to focus on his Georgia comments because he made quite a lot of them. And to me, one of the biggest leads was him talking about that infamous phone call with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find 11,780 votes, the exact amount he needed to overturn his election defeat that is now the subject of an ongoing Fulton County criminal probe. Here's what he said. I didn't ask him to find anything. Let me We've just heard tell you. the audio if tape, this Mr. Call President. Was there's bad. an audio of you asking him to find I you 11,000 votes. I said, you owe me votes. votes because the election was rigged. That election was rigged. Patricia, there's already a number of legal experts who are saying this is going to be used as evidence against him um, if the district attorney, Fannie Willis, decides to go forward with charges that he illegally tried to interfere with Georgia's election results. Yes, because, oh my goodness, that line where he said, you owe me votes because the election was rigged. The real challenge in a lot of these legal investigations into Donald Trump, particularly the criminal investigations, is to determine his intent. When he was making these phone calls to Georgia election officials, when he was uh, working with Rudy Giuliani to have all of these levers of the Georgia government flip in his favor for a special session for the electoral votes to be returned to the state. What was his intent? Um, For him to say, you owe me votes, that is a big fat red flag and something that, as far as we know, Fannie Willis did not 
have before. We have heard him say over and over and over that the election was rigged. I've never heard him say this This in his mind was that Raffensperger owed him votes, so he needed to go out and find them. That was just really something to hear. He also went into great detail and continued to repeat the allegations that have been disproven in court um, with video, with all kinds of evidence, uh, even in the it came up in the uh, Fox defamation trial. Um, he was continuing to say that there were, I think he actually said millions of votes. Anyway, any large number of votes um, being harvested, uh, being hidden, being brought out of suitcases. None of these things happened, but he just continues to say it. And I have to say, I know the media kind of maelstrom is that, you know, should CNN have given um, Donald Trump this platform? I think it's very important for voters who don't go to these Trump rallies and don't hear him repeating these things over and over. I think it's important for them to know that he is still saying this. Nothing he has said, nothing that he has done nothing that he has heard, no charges against him, nothing has changed. This is still who he is and what he's selling and what he wants voters to buy into. Um, It's very clear the Trump supporters in that room bought into it. But if you're just an average bear out here living your life, you lose track of what he says, what he does, what he believes. And this town hall, I think, was very helpful to both see where he's coming from on all these issues, pushing all of these continued lies about the election, And then also the reality that there are lots of Trump supporters who don't not just believe it, but they buy it, they love it, and they want more of it. And that's just the reality for Republicans right now. That is the GOP schism right now that we're we've been talking about the last, I don't know, seven years. (laughs) And we'll continue to talk about. Um Patricia, I can tell you one person, you know, there was a lot of media wrangling over whether or not uh, CNN should have hosted this town hall or not, but I can tell you one person who's very happy that CNN hosted um, this town hall, and that would be District Attorney Fannie Willis. I'm going to read you a quote from Anthony Michael Christ, who's a Georgia State University constitutional law professor who's been very closely watching the grand jury probe and, and everything that's come out of it. This is what he said, quote, subjects of criminal investigation aren't usually reckless enough to go on national television and admit their corrupt intent. But Donald Trump just handed Fonnie Willis a new piece of evidence and tied a bow on it. Patricia, that's not all that happened. Uh, there is another segment that you also keyed in on for the jolt lead where Donald Trump insisted that former Vice President Mike Pence should have helped him overturn the election results on January 6th, which, of course, Pence had no legal authority to do. Here's what Donald Trump said. If you would have sent those votes back to Georgia, Pennsylvania, and other states, Wisconsin, which if you look at Wisconsin, they virtually admitted now that the election was rigged. If you would have have sent those votes back to many of those states, they would not come back in the affirmative. And of course, that was Caitlin Collins, the moderator. Um, uh, She probably had to interrupt the the former president, I don't know, about 6,000 times, saying that is not true, that is not correct, doing live fact-checking. Uh, throughout the event. But, you know, again, just as you said, it was probably informative and instructive for for average voters who were tuning in that Donald Trump has continued the exact same messaging that he uh, did throughout the 2020 campaign, even before his defeat, saying he wouldn't accept the results of the election unless he won, essentially. And this is not only unusual because he has not included any of the 
facts and evidence that has been presented to him. It's also really unusual because he is on he is under ongoing criminal investigation. The grand jury, the special grand jury, has done its work here in Fulton County. It's the new grand jury that's onto it. We keep hearing that indictments are coming and the big fish are on the list. He's the biggest fish of all. So most lawyers, any lawyer, and I'm sure Trump's lawyers would say, please do not talk about what happened in Georgia. And instead, he is con- <laughs> he's going, he's digging it deeper, going further and further, and then tying it together as Fonnie Willis is trying to prove, tying it together with all of these other things that were happening in Washington and Atlanta simultaneously, that Mike Pence was then supposed to send the electoral votes back to Georgia, and then the special legislature could revisit it and change it, and the result would be overturned. Um, he's just doing so much of the legwork for prosecutors for them, and it is just something to see. But to me, the craziest thing of all was that the Trump supporters in that room loved it. And they were not remotely offended by him saying that the election was stolen. They seemed to agree with him. They were not offended by him refusing to pick sides between Russia and Ukraine, which CNN hosts spent a long time debating and discussing and saying how just incredibly offensive that was. Um, Donald Trump didn't feel that way and his supporters didn't feel that way. He talked about uh, gun control, arming teachers, um, uh, a full abortion ban and uh, saying that it's the Democrats who are radical, not the Republicans, just on and on and on. All of these um, statements that most Republicans just wouldn't say, and not only is Trump saying them, the people in the room are absolutely loving it, particularly when he was describing what he has now been accused of as potential criminal wrongdoing in Georgia in the E. Jean uh, Carroll defamation case mm. where he was um, just found liable of a sexual abuse. Um, any number of things that he's being brought up on criminal investigation for and even found liable for, it just isn't pushing his voters off of that support in any way, shape, or form. I can't wait to read the story uh, that someone's going to write about how Trump supporters or the Trump campaign or Trump allies helped coordinate and help just flood that room because those were not undecided Republican voters. They were overwhelmingly pro-Trump. And really, um, you know, one of my biggest takeaways was the disservice that that CNN did to their star anchor, Caitlin Collins, because they put her in in that situation with a room that was clearly against her. And I know, you know, we're all big kids. We can handle negative pushback. But still, uh, to put her in that situation, their star anchor in a position like that just was such a, a one-sided crowd that was against not only her, but the network throughout and for Donald Trump was just, was hard to, you know, I, I just couldn't comprehend how CNN's management let that happen. Okay. This Tuesday, May 16th, AJC subscribers can join Patricia and me in a virtual audience for a taping of Politically Georgia Live. Georgia gets ready for the 2024 spotlight. It's easy to register for this online event. If you're an AJC subscriber, go to live.ajc.com or click the link in today's episode description. That's live.ajc.com. And when we come back, we'll be joined by our crusty but lovable AJC Metro columnist, (laughs) Bill Torpy. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your host, Greg Bluestein, along with Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, and you can get six months of unlimited digital access for less than a dollar, just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Uh, Patricia, we are delighted to be joined by AJC columnist Bill Torpy, who's trying to bring the phrase moon bats back into Georgia, into Georgia's lexicon. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Sure thing. I, I love to just bring new uh, lexicon, as you say, back into things. <laughs> yes, well. And I want to add that I feel like Greg is trying to bring the phrase crusty but lovable into the lexicon. And I feel like it's we're talking about like either torpy or old socks or sourdough bread. He shouldn't be calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just crusty. He doesn't want the lovable part. Just crusty. <laughs> Uh, well, Bill, uh, we're, we're here to talk to you today about the week's development, which you know is, is, has been somewhat of the talk of the town um, because it merges our two favorite pastimes, college football and politics. UGA's football team has said no thank you to an invitation from President Biden to celebrate the team's national championship at the White House. Republicans were spiking the proverbial football we heard from Kelly Leffler. We heard from Mike Collins, who represents Athens in Congress, both saying go dogs" about the decision. Um, uh, and here's what Kirby Smart had to say. Timeline-wise, uh, it didn't work. Traditionally, you know, I went three times when I was at Alabama, and you get invited right after the game, and uh, that didn't happen. Um, we didn't have a date set, and uh, we have things planned. We've got 700 kids coming to a football camp in our place on June 6th, 7th, 8th is the number one time for recruiting for football coaches. And uh, when you've got 600, 700 kids coming to your campus, you, you can't take 200 people to the White House and have no one on your campus. So uh, the time just didn't work out. Nothing political about it. Um, but I've been before. It's very educational. It's a great experience. As UGA coach, Kirby Smart saying there's a scheduling conflict. Nothing political about it. Bill Torpy, what's your take? You're, you're focused your weekend column on it. Well, those 700 kids were paying $500 a piece to be there. So, you know, that was a, that's a pretty good little uh, stream that he has going. So oh, yeah. I guess he didn't want to step out of that one. Um, I, and I, as I put in my column coming up, it is political to a sense that I think the politics just can't help but be attached to these kinds of things, especially in the last few years after Trump was in the White House and and visits by teams became a political event, whether they went or they didn't go or what have you. Uh, my thought, I, th I think this one was actually a little weirder, uh, is that the it just was beneath, I think, the team to go there. Because this was June 12th is what they were invited to, is something called the College Athletic Day. 
And that means they were going to have like all of the different types of teams from uh, <clears throat> from the NCAA. And I think I saw in Sports Illustrated, it said that I think there's something like 90 different winners, you know, through all the different types of things. So they have to be sharing their time with uh, uh, wrestlers and uh, volleyball uh, players, swimmers, uh, you know, maybe an equestrian or two. I don't know. But, you know, it, it's not the, 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 you know, the spotlight is on them, you know, the champions, you know, football champions. I mean, that's like the sport that America wants to come out and uh, watch they to watch on primetime TV. And, you know, here they were, would be with the, the fencing squad from uh, northern Wisconsin or something. So, <laughs> Patricia? Okay. I want to add here, first of all, I am outraged, Bill Torpy, as a former member of my college equestrian team. Those are real athletes. Um, however, my other point is that... The horses are the people on them. Oh, what's that? The, the, Both. The athletes, the Have horse you ever are, jumped a course? Oh, God, I haven't been on a horse, man. I'm afraid they'll bite me or something. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks is all I'm saying. And plus, it is a sport. We're getting far afield. My point is, is that I think it's wonderful that Kirby Smart has been three times. Um, I'm positive that his entire team of national champions has not been three times. They may never get a chance to go again. While many of them will go on to careers of great fame and fortune, most won't. And I think it's a huge opportunity to go to the White House. Apparently, the White House had offered the team other days besides college athlete day at the White House, which does sound a little lame, but they also turn those down as well. So I think there would have been a way for some members of the team and perhaps not Coach Smart to be at the White House and then let uh, Kirby Smart do what he needs to do in terms of recruiting the next team. I feel like it was a mistake. And of course, it was going to be seen as political. And perhaps it's a way to avoid seeing more reporters in a room than they want to at the same time. Yeah, there's been a little back and forth about the details of what happened, but White House officials tell me that there were um, there was a back and forth earlier on about possibly scheduling one of these visits before the G Day game, before the big spring practice game, that is a kind of a build up to the start of the, the the informal start of the season. But at the same time, UGA says they didn't get a formal offer until earlier this this month, May third, and at that point, look, I mean, the the, the facts are the facts. Half the team seems to seems to have moved on. There's a number of transfers, a number of graduations, and of course, a number of players got drafted to the NFL. Um, but then there's the other case, Bill, that it doesn't matter if you're hanging out with 60 other teams or if it's just a standalone event. If the president invites you to come celebrate a championship at the White House, even if it's a small group of people, you figure out a way to go. Well, it's it's it is an honor. And uh, it is an opportunity, as you say, most of these guys will move on to something else and they won't have a chance to be, you know, maybe a few of them will be on uh, NFL teams that somehow um, get a wangle a, a, a trip to the White House. But, you know, it's it's kind of a once in a lifetime for most people. And, uh, you know, I know Kirby's been there three times and, you know, I suppose he'll go again. You know, we could only hope. But, uh, you know, going going forward, I, I think they should kind of rethink this. Yeah. And Patricia, there's also the political implications. You, you know, you can't you can't 
uh, take that out of any conversation that we have in Georgia in the run-up to a, a presidential election year. Um, because, you know, it seemed like an opportunity for both Biden and UGA to get on the same page. It seemed like there should have been a way. Uh, I was talking to one White House official who said you know, it was, they, they were seeing this as a no-win situation because if the team went, Republicans would take credit for it. And if the team didn't go like we're seeing right now, Republicans would spike the football. Um, were you surprised by the GOP reaction saying, go dogs, they made the right decision? Because I've seen you know, a number of not just regular folks, but as I mentioned earlier, political types who are, who are making hay out of this. I was a little bit surprised because if it's not meant to be political, as Kirby Smart is insisting, um, it immediately becomes political when a congressman is saying, go dogs, great choice, you know. Um, and this is something that uh, UGA players were asking for on Twitter rather publicly mm -hmm. trying to goad the White House into saying, hey, come on, why haven't you invited us? Um, the entire delegation from Georgia sent a letter to the White House saying we would like an invitation at the earliest request and then to say, oh, never mind, that's not going to work for us. I just don't think it looks good. Now, listen, I've gotten emails from readers who are UGA grads who say they're not in love with the direction the team is going right now, if, if only purely from a PR perspective. Because if you look at the news that the team was making over the last week, yeah. There is still so much fallout from that tragic accident um, that uh, claimed the lives of a UGA staff member and a UGA player. Um, a UGA player, a separate UGA player was arrested on DUI charges earlier this week. Um, they had the news from the White House, which made People Magazine, by the way. <laughs> that yeah. was a story in People Magazine that they had turned down the White House. And it's just not painting a portrait of a positive um, wholesome, gracious group of people. I don't know what, I don't know, know how else to say it. I mean, I got a ton of emails from readers saying I'm just, I'm disappointed in the, not just the White House news, but just sort of this entire barrage of news since the national championship. A lot of been has, has been really um, very sad, tragic, negative, and this would have been a chance to, you know, figuratively and almost literally take a victory lap. Yeah. And it's, as you were saying about the politics involved, there's a, a strange moment when you have John Ossoff and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, signing on to the same letter, yeah. uh, you know, that and but but this is uh, everybody likes the, the team, you know, largely in, in Georgia. Uh, they're a force and uh, any politician um, would be uh, just happy to be any part of it. So you're pushing for them. You're, you're, uh, uh, you just, you, you kind of uh, live in the reflective glow of, of the, the glory <laughs> of the team. And so uh, I, and I can see how they're running to it and, and they, it's just, and it's been something for forever, right? It's always kind of a weird thing that you have the, uh, uh, the most uh, important uh, uh, figure in the world, the president, uh, having time to have teams come by. And, and, but I guess it, it, it sort of uh, shows a sense of uh, uh, teamwork and athleticism and uh, you're a regular guy and, and you also kind of are just sharing something that the public has and everybody uh, likes sports, uh, except for it seems – uh, Biden's team that they just, <laughs> they didn't seem to be, uh, 
just kind of they did. I think they kind of let this go uh, a little bit too far, and then the team just said, "Nah, that's okay." Yeah, they they were pulling for the Blue Hens of Delaware. I I think that's what was going <laughs> on in the national championship. The, the lacrosse team. Uh, yeah. My takeaway from that comment, Bill, is whether folks align red or blue, you're saying everyone in Georgia leads red and black. And to me, that is great. And we'll ignore all the Georgia Tech fans who disagree. Um, Bill, will you stay on for one of our favorite segments, the listener mailbag? Oh, sure. <laughs> He's all in. <laughs> He's so I'm, excited. I'm, I'm tickled that you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound absolutely delighted. Well, you, dear listeners, can now call the Politically Georgia podcast hotline anytime. Leave a question, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. And don't forget that live show that we're doing on Tuesday that you can sign up for at live.ajc.com. Because producer Shaney B is standing by for all of your questions. And that's going to be fun. I can't wait for Tuesday. I can't either. Well, Shaney, what do we got? Uh, we got a few calls here. Let's start with Rob in Dunwoody. He has a question about abortion bans. I have a little bit of a strange question, but I was reading about the sister senators in South Carolina and their fight against the total abortion bans in that state. And since we are right next to them in Georgia, my question is how, if at all, would this affect Georgia politics? Would this change anything at all within our state? I'm just curious what what you guys think. So I think that's a great question. Um, And to bring some of our other listeners up to speed, South Carolina had been unable to pass a full abortion ban that had been proposed by the GOP leadership in that state. And it was a group of Republican female lawmakers who essentially filibustered that bill and said, we are not going to be a part of passing this bill. You guys are not listening to us. Uh, We raised our objections and you're ignoring us. And the answer is no, that this Bill has nothing to do with reality. And by the way, it's bad politics. I don't think that's going to have a major effect here in Georgia. I've always been really amazed at how the legislatures in each state almost feel like they're just totally siloed off from each other. Part of that is because some of them meet at different times. Part of that is because everyone is just so totally focused on what they're doing. And if they don't need somebody's votes in South Carolina, they don't really care what's going on in South Carolina. There are a lot of simultaneous legislative efforts that are driven by national groups. Georgia is always a part of that. But when one um, legislature turns something down or does something um, that is notable, I, I just don't really see a domino effect between states like Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, um Uh, South Carolina. Um, It just doesn't seem to happen. So I don't think that's going to have a huge effect. I will also say South Carolina did pass a six-week abortion ban successfully, but that was ruled unconstitutional by the South Carolina courts. That's why they're coming back for another another go at abortion legislation. Uh, Their ban in South Carolina was very similar. Their six-week ban, almost identical to the six-week ban here in Georgia. So the politics are actually not as different as they seem. And among the Republican dissenters here in Georgia were the Republican women. 
Rob or, or Robbie, because I think I recognize that voice. Um, I can tell you that lo- state legislative leaders are closely watching what's happening in South Carolina to expand on what Patricia was just saying, because look, you know, there's sort of this stalemate right now as Georgia waits for the state Supreme Court to rule on whether or not the, the 2019 anti-abortion law can uh, continue to stay in the books. Um, but also Republicans recognize a slightly different reality than, than, than they had in 2019 when they had slightly bigger majorities in, in um, the state legislature, but even more importantly, they had Roe v. Wade in place. And now any action that state lawmakers take is with the knowledge that Roe v. Wade is no longer the law of the land. And it was hard enough for Republican leaders and Governor Kemp to pass those anti-abortion restrictions way back in 19. It dominated the session, passed with one vote to spare in the Georgia House. Some of the most difficult conversations, public and private, between lawmakers that I've ever seen, um, ha- you know, take place. And if that the Georgia law was struck down, you know, you'd have a similar situation all over again, yet with these different political realities in place. And so I expect it to be, uh, I, I'm just guessing here, but I, I can imagine that Governor Kemp's staff is praying that they don't have to deal with that situation, that they could just, you know, have the 2019 law stay in the books and call it a day. And of course, Democrats are hoping that the Supreme Court ends up striking down that and, um, and they'll, they will fight vigorously any effort to reinstate it or to go beyond it. And I just, I can't imagine any Republican leader marshalling the votes to pass anything more restrictive than what they already did in 2019, given, given today's constraints. Torpy? Yeah, well, I think when they did it in 2019, it was theoretical, right? And then with, uh, yes. then the, with the Supreme Court decision. But this is, a, a, obviously, they don't want to go back and do it again. Uh, I think the, the Democrats have, have, have a good uh, uh, stick to, to beat the Republicans with in, in races on this issue. I mean, they can cast them as the, uh, the party of forced pregnancy. And, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty big thing right now. You know, I thought that would be a bigger thing in the 2022 elections. Um, I thought that'd be a much stronger issue for Democrats. And it really ended up not moving the needle as much as I expected. I think sort of all the other issues I don't know if it blotted it out. I don't know. I'm still trying to understand why it didn't have a bigger effect. But so are sure. Democrats. So are Democrats. Who I, <laughs> yeah. I was talking with an Abrams aide who who is basically saying that you know the Roe v. Wade decision came along too too late in the campaign cycle. Of course, the economy was the prevailing issue for many voters, according to our polls and probably a lot of internal polls too. Um, but that won't be the case, you know. But by, by, by the time 2024 comes in, this landscape will have been the law of the land for you know more than a year. So that's a good question. That was a good question from Rob in Dunwoody. We also have a call from Brett in Sandy Springs. Brett called in actually after we started recording, and he's got a question about Governor Kemp and the businesses he's bringing to Georgia. Governor Kemp seems to embrace a lot of the companies moving to Georgia, such as Rivian. There are solar companies moving here, battery companies creating thousands of jobs. When is he going to go all in? He goes to these, you know, uh, factory openings, takes pictures. It's just this, you know, for his website, um, because the rhetoric doesn't seem to support the photo opportunities. That's my question. Okay, Brett. Um, so the rhetoric doesn't support the photo ops. You mean going all in towards green energy, I guess? Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because he is, 
he's very, governor's very careful about, he doesn't want to pick favorites. He always says, you know, you know, he doesn't want to um, support policies that cast one industry over the other. But at the same time, federal lawmakers have passed a number of, of significant packages that give billions of dollars worth of tax credits towards EV vehicles. And his view is, hey, if this is out there, let's take advantage of it. And the market is driving that possibility. Um, so we're seeing him, you know, he's not out there talking about the need for EV vehicles and electric battery plants and, you know, and we're not just talking about vehicles, by the way. We're also talking about copters and all sorts of new things, battery facilities. I mean, they're talking about tens of thousands of jobs far beyond Rivian and Hyundai, um, those two giant auto plants that are coming. But he does view this as a, rather than talking about climate change, he does view this as uh, Georgia making the most of, of a change in market demands. So um, I, I, I haven't seen him, you know, this, this year, for instance, there wasn't this big new push to give more, even more state credits to green in- industries, um, and, or, nor was there a big push to make it easier for electric vehicles to, to sell their products directly to Georgians. But I wouldn't be surprised to see this debate crop back up because the EV industry is going to play such a pivotal role in Georgia's future economy. Yeah, I also feel like everything doesn't have to be consistent for it to be successful for Brian Kemp. He doesn't need to buy into the entire climate change, green energy line of thinking from Democrats in order to also sell all of these factories as huge, huge basically job factories, along with everything else, thousands of jobs in very, very rural parts of the state. And um, bringing jobs to rural parts of the state has always been a big, big piece of Brian Kemp's agenda. So in places like Ellabel, in uh, places outside of Madison, Georgia, not even Madison, Georgia, in Dalton, Q-Cells has a massive factory and they're making it, um, they're going to about double the size of their workforce up Mm -hmm. there. And he doesn't need to or particularly want to jump into the entire um, climate change debate to say, wow, look at all the stuff I'm doing. I think he also sees a white space in the manufacturing sector, an opportunity for states that get in, get on board soon, have uh, major, major tax credits, work well with international businesses, go to South Korea, go to Germany, court all of these companies. It's almost a gold green rush, you know, or green gold rush. And I think yeah. he sees that and is taking advantage of it. Um, there's also billions of federal dollars to support these efforts as well. Now, those are all coming from Democrats being completely trashed by Republicans and messaging. But again, that's a place where it doesn't all have to be consistent to be successful for Kemp's purposes. Yeah. And, and well, as you say, as far as uh, it's just jobs, 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 that's always been the mantra of a lot of candidates and with rural areas. I think they would have given the, I mean, if this these were uh, Hummer plants, I think they would have jumped into it anyway. So I don't think it was the big thing that they love EV. It was just manufacturing. It was jobs. You could stand in front of uh, some cameras with a golden shovel, turn a couple uh, uh, scoops of dirt, and then jump back into your big uh, gas-burning SUV and drive back to Georgia for the next event. Did you know there are electric, there are EV Hummers now? So that might, oh, yeah, I've seen maybe them. that's the next one. When do you think he's going to start driving a Rivian, Greg? We, well, I, 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 I can imagine that happening. 
or Hyundai, um, yep. given, I mean, they already, there's already a number of Kia vehicles in the state fleet. So it only makes sense. Now is time for another of our favorite segments, the who's up and who's down. <laughs> Patricia, we always like to end on a high note. So who is your who's down first? My who's down this week is Athens, Clark County, Western Circuit District Attorney, Deborah Gonzalez. She's being sued by a constituent in Athens who alleges that she is just not doing the basic functions of her job as DA. She's made a lot of policy changes over there. Um, He is saying that uh, she's not only not keeping Athens safe, in his opinion, they've lost more than 30 assistant district attorneys since she's been over there. Um, They are uh, having a number of cases uh, not even plead out. Uh, It's not... It's a. Uh, it's something that Republicans have been really hammering Gonzalez for, but to see a local business owner uh, take her into court and then a judge ruled against her on a motion to dismiss that case. Uh, the judge ruled this week that she will need to um, uh, see that suit through. Um, that is a pretty major who's down for Deborah Gonzalez. And on that note, a source of mine, as we were talking in the show, sent me a clip about how Deborah Gonzalez is rebuking the judge who ruled against her. So there's a there's an ongoing legal clash. And of course, Deborah Gonzalez is also the impetus for that district attorney oversight bill that Governor Kemp just signed into law. Um, I'm going to stay in Athens for my who's down. It's going to be both Kirby Smart, the UGA football coach, and Joe Biden, because there was lots of ways they could have saw, seen eye to eye and given their players an opportunity to celebrate their championship game victory at the White House. It's, Last year, they couldn't get on the same schedule, partly because of COVID. Um, this year, they definitely couldn't get on the same schedule. And for, for Democrats, there was an opportunity to get Joe Biden and the very popular UGA football team in the same frame of shot, right? And of course, for the players themselves, this would have been a once-in-a-lifetime or maybe twice or three times a lifetime opportunity, but still a very rare opportunity um, uh, you know, going forward. Is it going to affect any votes? I can't imagine anyone voting against or for Joe Biden um, because of, of something like this. But still, it's just it's, it's, it's a missed opportunity. Bill, put you on the spot. You have a who's down for the week? Well, I think that might be uh, David Schaefer, who uh, I wrote Ooh. about this week. Uh, he is uh, the, the former state senator, and he's the uh, head of the GOP currently. And, and battled, I think, is in, in front of his name in most of Greg Bluestein's <laughs> Articles. Um, he is uh, one of the the uh, uh, fake electors uh, or contingent electors, as he, he likes to say, that was that were the Republican electors who were voting, uh, you know, kind of a, a kabuki theater type of situation where they were voting for Trump in the 2020 election, and that is being investigated by Fannie Willis in her investigation of Trump and the 2020 election. Um, David Schaefer used to be uh, kind of a regular Republican, kind of the old suburban uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce guys. But then once he became the head of the, the party in 2019, uh, he just jumped both feet in with the lunatic fringe. And, uh, you know, there he goes. There he goes. And he, he has seen that uh, take him to the edge of a potential indictment and also political ruin. Um, so on that note, that happy note, uh, Patricia, who's your who's up for the week? 
My who's up for the week? This is a bit of a departure, but Sunday is Mother's Day. My who's up for the week is my mom. Oh, God, you're making us all look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Because the more I try and have a full-time job and do kids at the same time, the more I wonder, how in the hell did she do this? And she always looked great while she did it and still looks great. So mom is my who's up for the week. Okay, you know what? After that, I'm deviating. My who's up for the week is my wife, Mark. my mom, my mother-in-law, and all the moms out there who have who have just made the world a better place. Shane, got all the moms. What are you going to do? Producer Shady B just goes on screen and just gives us a ugh sign because I, I had such a good answer. But after that, Patricia, I can't. I have to say, all the moms on the, in the world... Or be well, follow up. I, I guess in the uh, the who's up, it would be me. My grandson is uh, coming to Atlanta for the first time tomorrow. I'm picking up him and his mom and dad at the airport, and uh, oh, that's even, so good. We even cleaned the carpets uh, of our house so that as he's crawling around, he you know he won't be on the grubby uh, the carpets of the, the Torpy household. So, oh, that is so sweet. And you can clean him once he's gone again, too. Yeah, well, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may be the case. You should see it. You should see a meat. I mean, you, you, it's just a, it's a blur of food. Join us next week for an update on all things grandkids and moms here at the Politically Georgia podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.